Welcome back to our uh, sociology podcast here from Colby Community College, um, our introduction to sociology podcast. Um, so this podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about sociological research. I know I know, this is uh, not the most thrilling and exciting topic that you can talk about. However, I think it's it's important because for every basis of sociology, it's, it, it's understanding the research that's behind it, okay? So... The basics of uh, sociological research are this, you know, we have to have the empirical evidence, you know, so scientific research is based on empirical evidence. Um, This is evidence that comes from direct experience, um, scientifically gathered data or experimentation. Okay. Um, There's also what we call meta analysis. um, And uh, then we also have the hypothesis as well as the scientific method. So um, approaches to sociological research are this, you know, that scientific method. You know, that first, very first part of that is asking a question. Um, Then you research your existing sources. You formulate your hypothesis. You design and conduct a study. You draw your conclusions and you report your results. Um, It's a very basic um, method, you know, and we're we're so used to that. And we we think about doing sociological research. Um, It's just like doing scientific research. Okay, it's 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 um, moving through those steps accordingly. Um, but ethically as well, okay? And so we want to be able to maximize the study's reliability, okay? So no matter what, you need to have reliability and validity to your, to your studies um, and, to, and to your uh, research that you're doing. And so those are two very important things. Um, so no matter what research, uh, knowledge of rituals and beliefs or knowledge of trends and attitudes, um, the approach, whatever approach you use, research want to maximize the study's reliability. This refers to how likely research results are going to be replicated if the study is reproduced. Real reliability increases the likelihood that the research results are are to be replicated if the study is reproduced. Okay, um, and this uh, is it happens um, to one person will happen to all those people in the group. Okay, so reliability is it's it's reliable across the whole entire study. Um, validity this happens um, this refers to how well the study measures. But it was designed to measure. Was it valid? Was that information valid? Okay. So as we move forward, we ask always ask the question. Okay. So we need to have that operational definition. Uh, that is the they uh, define the concept in terms of the physical or concrete steps it takes to objectively measure it. Okay. So you have to have an operational definition. Operational definition that is essential in sociological research. Uh, the literature review can be one of the most daunting tasks. Um, but also one of the most rewarding tasks. Um, you know, when I was in school, I was taught to resource mine out. And that's usually from your literature review on how you move through there. Um, so that's a review of existing or similar related studies. Um, and so if you can citation mine your way down, that literature review can kind of give you a basis, again, for the reliability and validity side of things. Okay, So formulating a hypothesis would be the next step. So a hypothesis is an assumption about how two or more variables are related. Okay, so that's that's where we start to get some of those those interesting dynamics formed um, and understanding those. So independent variable is the cause of the change. So once again, independent variable, the cause 
of the change. The dependent variable is the effect or the thing that is changed, okay? And so that's going to be um, something that I guarantee you here again is independent variable versus dependent variable. So if I was going to say this, the hypothesis here is the greater the availability of affordable housing, the lower the homeless rate. So the independent variable in this would be the affordable housing, okay? So this is the cause. Um, the dependent variable is the homeless rate. That's the thing that's going to change, okay? It's going to be fluid. It's going to move through there, okay? Same thing. The greater the availability of math tutoring, the higher the math grades, okay? So the more math tutoring you have, which is your independent variable, that's the, the cause of the change, okay? The higher the math grades, okay? So again, that's the dependent variable. That's the effect. Um, that's the thing that's going to be changing through there, okay? Um, so while many sociologists rely on the scientific method as a research approach, others operate from an interpretive framework, okay? Um, so while systematic, this approach doesn't follow the hypothesis testing model that seeks to find general, uh, generalizable results. Instead, an interpretive framework, sometimes referred to as an interpretive perspective, seeks to understand social worlds from the point of view of participants which leads to in-depth knowledge. Uh, so the other research effect, we have what we call the Hawthorne, um, the Hawthorne effect. Um, this is something that, that we see, okay? As a, as a sociologist, we see this, the Hawthorne effect. Um, this is where people change their behavior because they know they are being watched as part of a study, okay? We see this a lot in younger kids as well. So for example, um, you know, a kid may be in, let's say, first grade. Uh, teacher's having nothing but a hard time with them, and uh, they're they're acting up. She calls the principal. The principal comes. She says, you know what? The principal's going to be in here this afternoon. All of a sudden, those kids have changed the way they're acting, okay? It's the Hawthorne effect. It's the way that they have. And so secondary data analysis is really related to this Hawthorne effect, okay? So um, as a research method, a survey collects data from subjects who respond to a series of questions. Uh, so we, they use surveys quite a bit. This can help uh, target population. Um, this can be um, either a sample. Um, it can be random sample. And this is very um, uh, quantitative um, in nature. You can get a lot of quantitative data and you can get a lot of qualitative data off a, a survey. So survey is a good way um, for a research method to be um, imposed in there. So an interview is also another strong way because this is a one-on-one -on -one conversation. However, you can get some quantitative um, and qualitative data from your interview perspective as well, okay? Field research is always very, very important. Um, so the work of sociology rarely happens in limited and confined spaces. So that's something to keep in mind. Sociologists uh, seldom study subjects in their own offices or laboratories. So again, what this needs to be done is a field research. Um, and this gathers primary data, data from a natural environment without doing a lab experiment or a survey. Um, and so there, then that relates directly to correlation, okay? Um, so much of the data gathered in field research are based not on cause and effect, but on correlation. Um, so they look for correlation. It's small sample size does not allow for establishing a casual relationship between the two variables, okay? Um, participant observation. Uh, so this is another research method that is used. Um, so Rothman, um, you know, a, a prominent, a, a uh, prominent comic writer, 
um, Rodney Rothman um, set up with this thing called a participant observation, okay, in which researchers join people and participate in a group's routine activities and just observe um, them within that context, okay? It's just the observation of what's going on in there. Um, a lot of times we see this kind of related to the mental health side of things that, or it's a participant observation, or we see this in related to, um, you know, your domestic and sexual violence, um, domestic and sexual violence groups. Um, we use this a lot when I was in that field working um, in participant observation. We're just gathering what's going on. Um, and based upon that, we're able to make results as we move forward. Okay, so that's just something to keep in mind. Participant observation um, is a really good way to garner um, some kind of sociological results that you need there. Okay, um, ethnography is another way here. Um, this is extended observation of the social perspective and cultural values of an entire social setting. Um, ethnographies involve objective observation of an entire community. So again, now we're taking it from a one-on-one -on -one observation in a small group to the entire community. So we're going to view the entire community. Um, they really did ethnography when uh, we, we saw that the riots start occurring just outside of St. Louis. Um, this was several years ago, but this is where they started to do this. They, um, they did an ethnography and understood that, hey, you know what, um, this is one of the poorest populations in the United States. And they were able to do that through ethnography. Okay, um, Institutional ethnography is an extension of basic ethnography. Um, but it focuses intentionally on everyday concrete social relationships, okay? So this is just the difference there. Um, there's just a slight difference between ethnography and institutional ethnography. Uh, case study is the same thing. Um, you know, it's a different type of um, sociological research. A case study is an in-depth analysis of a single event situation or an individual, okay? So case studies, you hear this all the time where somebody did a case study. Um, we're seeing, going to see a lot of case studies come out of this COVID stuff. Um, they're doing case studies every single day on COVID-19, COVID-19 patients, uh, the pandemic, how it's affecting um, our um, economy, how it's affecting um, our social institutions, you name it. So there's a lot of case studies going to be coming out of that. Um, experiments, uh, this is they investigate a relationship to, to test a hypothesis, okay? Um, so it's a scientific approach. Experiments are scientific approach. Um, I don't necessarily agree personally with the experiment side of things. Um, I, I think those that tends to draw on the ethical concerns. Um, we start to see some of that Stanford prison experiment um, type of mentality when we get to the experiment. And, uh, and I'll talk about that a little bit here in just a minute. Secondary data analysis. Um, this is this is secondary data would be they don't re result from firsthand research. OK, this would be. Um, something from historians, um, pictures, those types of things, okay? Um, so that is something that secondary data analysis is another form, but it's not your primary data analysis as you move forward, okay? So again, this brings us right back into uh, 2.3, our ethical concerns. Uh, the American Sociological Association um, is the uh, professional organization for sociologists in North America. Um, the ASA maintains a code of ethics. And so this is just basically a formal guideline for conducting sociological research. Um, this consists of principles and ethical standards to be used in the discipline. It also describes procedures for filing, investigating, and resolving complaints of unethical conduct. Okay. So um, 
again, we're going to go right back to those historical sociologists. So Max Weber, um, he was a sociologist that, that said we as sociologists need to establish value neutrality. Um, so this is a practice of remaining impartial without bias or judgment. So remember what I said the last lecture or last podcast here was as a sociologist, it's moving beyond thinking black and white, but thinking more gray. And so that is that impartial, that's that impartial, um, that's that bias without judgment um, and, and publishing those results without that bias. OK, um, you know, and so we talk about code of ethics. And I mentioned the, the Stanford prison experiment. And so basically the Stanford prison experiment um, was something that really broke um, ethical standard, um, um, ethical standards. Um, and this was this was something that was not um, this was not something that a that was intended to happen. Um, but this was basically a social psychology experiment that attempted to investigate the psychological effects of perceived power. Um, and this was focusing on the struggle between prisoners and prison officers. So it was conducted at Stanford University uh, in, in the early 70s. Um, uh, and this was Philip Zimbardo, um, and he that conducted this, and he used college students. So in the study, student uh, volunteers were assigned to either guards or prisoners um, by the flip of a coin um, in a mock prison. Um, and Zimbardo served to kind of as that um, warden. Okay, um, so several of the individuals who were identified as prisoners left mid-experiment and the whole experiment was abandoned just after six days um, and the reason this is is they quickly these individuals quickly embraced their assigned roles um, they had some of the guards enforcing uh, authoritarian measures and ultimately subjecting um, some of the other prisoners if you want to call them prisoners the other individuals who were involved in that in psychological torture um, and others, you know, accepted psychological abuse. And so the experiment had been described um, really a, as a, a unethical way to approach those things. And so, again, um, and even some of the experiment's findings have been called into question. So the experiment has been criticized for unscientific, uh, unscientific methodology and possible fraud. Um, the experiment purported to show that prison guards um, instinctively em embrace the sadistic and authoritative um, personalities. Um, so again, there was an ethical concern on how that went. And so that is why, why there is a code of ethics, why we need to follow those code of ethics. Even though this was a psychology base, there was still the sociological um, side of this um, that's there. So that covers chapter two in a nutshell here. Um, you know, we, we talked a little bit about um, all those different things from survey, fieldwork, experiments, secondary data analysis, ethical concerns, research methods, um, approach to sociological research. So, again, that covers Chapter 2. Uh, thanks for listening, and we will talk to you guys soon.